Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. It's been 3,282 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 363 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, we assess that the infighting between private military company or PMC Wagner Group's leader Yevgeny Prigozhin and the Russian Ministry of Defense is fomenting unrest. There is a very small but notable chance that the ongoing provocations could spark Russian-on-Russian violence. Second, due to reported equipment, communications, and ammunition shortages, we have very low confidence that Russian forces will launch a larger, concentrated offensive in one or more directions on or before February 24th. Third, other analysts aligned with our assessment on February 20th that the broad offensive Russia started in late January has not achieved its goals due to poor training, dwindling supplies of heavy weapons, and ammunition shortages. Fourth, We maintain that the Russian Minister of Defense, Sergei Shoigu, is actively working to eliminate the influence of PMC Wagner Group and its leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, both on and off the battlefield. Fifth, we maintain there is an extremely high risk of punitive missile and drone strikes on civilians and civilian infrastructure from February 23rd to 24th, with highly favorable weather conditions expected. Sixth, We maintain that Russian forces will continue to target electrical, heating, and potable water infrastructure. Seventh, we maintain that there is a risk of a nuclear accident caused by the de-energization of Ukrainian nuclear power plants as a result of Russian electrical infrastructure destruction. And finally, we maintain that the Russian Federation's inventory of caliber cruise missiles is critically low based on the continued decline of launches from the Black Sea Fleet. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported a Russian attack, quote, in the area of Hryanikivka was repulsed. Very little information is coming out of this region, and we made no changes to the map. So let's move on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. In the Svatova operational direction, 
The GSAFU and the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported shelling in Novoselivske, while Ukrainian forces continued their attacks on Russian positions in Kuzimivka. In the Kremina operational area, Russian troops continued their efforts to advance out of Ploshanka without success. There were no noteworthy reports of fighting south of the settlement along the P-7 highway to Chervonopopivka, with activity limited to artillery exchanges. There weren't any reports of significant fighting west, southwest, and south of Kremina, with activity there also limited to artillery exchanges. In our assessment, fighting continued between squad and platoon-sized units, but at a reduced operational tempo. The GSAFU and Russian MOD reported mutual shelling near Dibrova, and Luhansk Oblast administrative and military governor Serhi Haidai reported increased Russian shelling in the area. Some assessment here. Russian forces have likely entered an operational pause for consolidation and resupply before renewing offensive activity. In the Lysychansk operational area, Russian forces continued their attacks on Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, with additional artillery support. In northeast Donetsk, in the Siversk operational area, the 2nd Army Corps of the Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, launched a small attack on Ukrainian positions in Spirna. In the Solidar operational area, Russian forces, possibly supported by PMC Wagner, made a new attempt to advance on Vasyukivka, which was unsuccessful. In the Bakhmut operational area, the Russian MOD claimed that Russian forces captured Paraskovievka, which was actually captured days ago, without mentioning PMC Wagner. Ukrainian forces launched a limited counterattack from Yahidne and were able to push PMC Wagner mercenaries to the northwest, but drove them closer to Berkhivka. PMC Wagner, or Russian troops, continued attempts to advance on Dubovo-Vasilivka from the M3, or E40, highway. Fighting continued east and southeast of Bakhmut. Geolocated videos indicated there were no changes to the line of conflict. In the Kostyantanivka operational direction, Russian troops supported by PMC Wagner are attempting to stop the slow push by Ukrainian troops from Ivanivske, with intense fighting reported but no change to the situation. PMC Wagner attempted to advance on Bilahora, but was met with intense artillery shelling on their positions in Kurdyumivka and Ozaryanivka. In the Toretsk, New York operational area, the 1st Army Corps of the Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, launched an attack toward Druzhba, which was, predictably, unsuccessful. In southwest Donetsk, there was almost no fighting reported along the axis. The 1st Army Corps continued their attempts to capture the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske and reportedly moved 200 meters in one direction, closer to the hamlet. In the Marinka operational area, fighting continued in the center and western parts of the settlement, with no change to the situation. And that's it. Moving on to Zaporizhia. International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, Director General Rafael Grossi, confirmed that the rotation of IAEA inspectors at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant has been delayed for almost two weeks. 
He appealed for, quote, all parties to allow the rotation and to stop interference with the IAEA's work to ensure, quote, nuclear safety and security, saying in a press release, quote, the nuclear safety and security situation in Ukraine, especially at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, continues to be dangerous and unpredictable. The agency is doing everything it can to conduct the safe rotation of our staff there as soon as possible, end quote. The statement did not provide an update on the status of the six reactors at ZNPP or the connections to the power grid. Anarchoatom made fresh allegations that Russians are using ZNPP as a military base. The Ukrainian state-run enterprise claimed up to 600 Russian Mobics have been stationed in the bunkers at the facility awaiting transfer to the Donbass. The IAEA made no mention of the claim, and we can't determine the veracity of the report. Some assessment here? The lack of information on the status of the reactors raises a higher level of concern about the amount of access the current IAEA inspectors have at the plant. This is the least detailed assessment Grossi has provided since August 2022, with the subtext in the full statement hinting that the oversight mission at ZNPP is in jeopardy. An Iskander-M struck the suburbs of Zaporizhia, landing in a field and not causing significant damage. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OCS, reported seven Black Sea fleet vessels on patrol, including one Kilo-class submarine capable of launching up to four caliber cruise missiles. Severe weather with near-hurricane force winds of 27 meters per second, or 60 miles per hour, is forecast to blast Russian-occupied Crimea. Quick sidebar, hurricane force winds are over 33 meters per second, or 74 miles per hour. Due to the weather, the Kerch Strait Ferry and all ferry and water taxi services in Sevastopol have been suspended. In western and central Ukraine in Kherson, Russian and Ukrainian forces traded artillery strikes across the Dnipro River. In the city of Kherson, residential areas were shelled with thermite. East of the city, on the west bank of the Dnipro, two civilians were killed instantly when a mortar struck them in Antonivka. Russian-occupied Novokhovka, Holopristan, and Olishki were shelled, with Russian barracks targeted in the latter two settlements. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at malcontentnews. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. An investigation has been opened in Ukraine to determine how a Ukrainian soldier who was drafted from Ternopil on January 18th and took his oath of service on January 31st was killed in action on February 16th. Ukrainian officials said, quote, Currently, an official inspection has been scheduled in the Ternopil United City Territorial Recruitment Center, the results of which will determine the persons responsible for the preparation and training of personnel. End quote. On social media, there were claims the unnamed man was issued a summons at a bus stop and was not given any military training. Belarusian Defense Minister Viktor Krenin 
said that up to 150,000 Belarusians could be conscripted into a so-called people's militia. Krenin told Belarusian state media, quote, We have enough mobilization resources, which are registered in our military commissariats. We have conducted an inspection and see that not all of them will be involved according to the mobilization plan. They are primarily people who are already trained and know how to use weapons. But we do not rule out that those people who have not received military training, including women, may also become volunteers. End quote. Okay, quick question. How is a conscript also a volunteer? Some assessment here. This is saber-rattling to make Moscow happy. It is highly unlikely that Belarus has the resources to mobilize 100 to 150,000 citizen soldiers, considering the Russian MOD has been raiding military supplies from the Moscow rump state since the summer to support its own mobilization of 218,000. During his visit to Kyiv, United States President Joe Biden announced another $500 million in military aid for Ukraine. The latest package includes additional ammunition for high-mobility rocket artillery systems, or HIMARS, additional 155mm artillery rounds, additional 120mm artillery rounds, four air surveillance radars, additional Javelin anti-armor systems, almost 2,000 anti-armor rockets, four Bradley Infantry Fire Support Team vehicles, two tactical recovery vehicles, those are heavy-duty military-grade tow trucks, Ottawa-compliant Claymore anti-personnel mines, explosives for demolition, night vision devices, medical supplies, and spare parts and other field equipment. Died Maros did not bring any gifts to Prigozhin, so he may want to be on the lookout for Yolka Katurin, especially with all this talk about leopards. Speaking of giant holiday cats that eat people, Let's talk about the Russian military and mobilization. TASS reported that in the Kursk Oblast, six Mobiks were killed and one severely wounded in Ulanok. Russian state media claims there was an ammunition explosion without providing a reason. Locals reported the Mobiks were attempting to start or fuel a stove to stay warm with gasoline, which spilled, causing a larger fire to erupt. A group of 33 civilian workers from Tajikistan was employed to build defenses in occupied Zaporizhia. They went unpaid, and one lost an arm after suffering an untreated work-related injury due to refusal at the local hospital. The workers have complained through legal channels after returning home. A video started circulating on Russian social media channels claiming that PMC Wagner was once again recruiting in prisons and addressing hundreds of convicts at a penal colony. Wagner's social media channels dismissed the claims, stating the video was recorded in November 2022 and previously published. PMC Wagner founder and leader Prigozhin is really going through some things. The private army leader released a seven-minute expletive-laced statement that flipped between rage, frustration, and desperation, seeking ammunition saying, quote, No one has any understanding of where certain limits come from or where the procedures for obtaining ammunition come from. No one knows how to sign certain documents. Everyone is nodding upstairs, pointing a finger up and saying that, You know, Yevgeny, you have a difficult relationship over there. He's referring to the Kremlin. Keep pointing up and rolling your eyes. 
so you need to go apologize and confess. Then your fighters will receive ammunition. To whom to apologize? Whom to obey? 140 million Russians. Please tell me who I have to apologize to. End quote. Further into his statement, Prigozhin went on the attack, saying, quote, Those who prevent us from winning this war are directly, absolutely directly working for the enemy, helping the enemy to break the back of Russia. Russians are dying, only they are not dying for their home and their motherland, but half of them are dying because some military functionaries do not understand that these are not whims. I'm just saying, leave your whims, leave your principles, and give me ammo. I'm not poking you in the nose because you sit for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with golden dishes and send your daughters, granddaughters, and relatives to rest in Dubai. I'm just asking, give me ammunition. End quote. Prigozhin said there was plenty of ammunition to support not just Wagner, but the entire special military operation, and some area commanders were breaking military regulations to provide some supply. The growing public rift is creating friction, with some politicians, mill bloggers, and military leaders declaring their loyalty lies with Prigozhin. Sergei Aksyonov, the puppet leader of Russian-occupied Crimea and who potentially stands to lose everything in the coming months, declared, quote, I express my support to Yevgeny Viktorovich Prigozhin, Wagner PMC, servicemen of the armed forces of the Russian Federation, and everyone who currently performs combat missions in the Special Military Operations Zone, end quote. He called for the, quote, responsible officials to immediately fulfill their duties, end quote, to support the PMC. Mercenary mill blogger Semyon Pegov also went on the attack, saying, quote, The people who staged the boycott of Prigozhin are, in fact, boycotting President Putin. This testifies either to the complete isolation of these people from reality, everything reminds them that people are dying, or this is an open sabotage. End quote. All is going to plan. In geopolitical news, U.S. President Biden was in Kyiv for six hours before returning by train to Poland for a previously planned summit today. The visit was carried out secretly for security reasons, with Biden leaving Washington, D.C. on Saturday night after having dinner with his wife in a public restaurant. The White House even published a public timetable for yesterday, indicating Biden would depart for Warsaw in the evening. Biden told reporters, quote, I'm in Kyiv today to meet with President Zelensky and reaffirm our unwavering commitment to Ukraine's democracy, sovereignty, and territorial integrity. End quote. Fun fact, this was the first time in modern history that a U.S. president traveled to a war zone in a nation where the United States had no active military presence. In the guest book at the Mariinsky Palace, Joe Biden wrote, quote, I am honored to be welcomed again in Kyiv to stand in solidarity and friendship with the freedom-loving people of Ukraine. Mr. President, he's referring to Zelensky, please accept my deepest respect for your courage and leadership. Slava Ukraini, Joe Biden, end quote. The Chinese Foreign Ministry announced that Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi, quote, will hold an in-depth exchange of views with the Russian side on the development of relations between China and Russia at a new stage, as well as discuss acute international and regional issues that are of mutual interest, 
end quote. Wang Yi is in Moscow and is expected to stay through February 24th. The EU High Representative for Foreign and Security Policy and Vice President of the European Commission, Joseph Borrell, told reporters he said to Wang Yi on Saturday if China sends lethal weapons to Russia, it would be a so-called red line. Borrell said that Wang Yi, quote, told me that they're not going to do it, that they don't plan to do it, end quote. China and Russia renewed their agreement for visa-free travel between the two countries, Group travel of 5 to 50 people is allowed for up to 15 days. The program was suspended due to COVID-19 travel restrictions and China's zero-COVID policy, which the nation abandoned in 2022. Israeli lawmakers Ziev Elkin and Yuli Edelstein also traveled to Kyiv on Monday and met with Ukraine's president. Edelstein said, quote, I met last night with the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, and I saw with my own eyes what is happening in the region. Iranian involvement is evident. Let's not let this continue, and let's not sit on the fence any longer. Israel must side with Ukraine against the dangerous combination of Russia and Iran. End quote. In economic news, the ruble had a rough day, ticking an exchange rate of 76 for one U.S. dollar before improving slightly to an exchange rate of 75. West Texas Intermediate Crude was unchanged at $77 a barrel, and Brent fell to $83. Russian Urals Crude dropped to an official price of $54 a barrel. United States Wholesale Arbob Gasoline was flat, with spot market pricing at $2.44 a gallon, or $0.64 a liter. Dutch TTF Natural Gas Futures fell, with March and April's contracts at 48 euros per megawatt hour. Chicago SRW wheat futures was trading at $7.83 a bushel for May 2023 delivery. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.